This morning, we are starting a new sermon series called Words of Life, The Commands of Jesus. And instead of starting at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, which might seem like the logical thing to do, we're going to start at the end, after Jesus was resurrected and before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, the thing that he said to his disciples. And we got a taste of it a little bit earlier in one of our scripture readings. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Jesus commanded his followers to do something to continue on the work that he was doing. We're going to listen to that this morning. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter in the Gospel of Matthew, the last thing that Matthew writes when it comes to the life, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This passage is what is known as the Great Commission. And if it seems familiar, probably because you've heard it before, uh, it's written over here on our wall. We only have two scriptures that are permanently written very artfully in our sanctuary walls, something that we want to keep in front of us all the time. The Great Commandments, love God, love your neighbor. That's what that one says, right? Good, yep. And then the Great Commission. And the... The last thing that Jesus tells his disciples is, make, or is go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Kind of the inspiration for this sermon series we're going to do this fall is the word everything. Teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Emphasis on the comprehensive nature of what Jesus told his disciples to go out and teach the next disciples of Jesus. Teach them all of it. Everything that I said, everything that I showed you, everything that I demonstrated, the things that I did when I'm among you, what you saw, what you learned, what you experienced from me, tell them everything. Don't cherry pick your favorites, don't water it down, but teach them everything that I've commanded to you. Now this was a command that Jesus gave his 11 apostles. You might think, wait, weren't there 12 apostles? Yeah, but this is after all that went down with Judas. Uh, who betrayed Jesus. So it's the 11 apostles, and Jesus is commanding them to go and make disciples. But for centuries, Christians have said Jesus was not just talking to them, Jesus is also talking to us. As his followers, the way that they were his followers, this message is for us as well. This is our commission. If we want to get technical with this passage, as sometimes people like to do, you can break it down. Uh, by its grammatical structure. And you will see that the imperative here, the command, is actually make disciples. And the other things around it are kind of subordinate to it. It's make disciples by going, by baptizing, by teaching, and teaching them everything that I've commanded you. Now, we can't possibly know everything that there is to know about Jesus, even if we wanted to. We can't have that information. If you read all the way to the end of the Gospel of John, 
John is going to point that out. If, you know, if everything that Jesus did were written down in the books, uh, not all the libraries in the world could contain it. But what you have are words of life. Words that you need so that you can believe and know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We can't know everything that Jesus said. We can't have all the commands of Jesus. But what we do have are words of life. And when people take following Jesus seriously, regardless of whether anyone around them does it, it is something that changes the world. This isn't just like, well, Jesus said it, we better do it. This is, these are the words that he gave you so that your life will be full, so that your discipleship can be complete, so that your witness of Jesus Christ can be effective in the world. And this series, this fall, is going to be one way to do what Jesus tells his disciples to do in the Great Commission, to teach people everything that Jesus commanded. We're going to hear and understand the commands of Jesus so that we can then go out and teach others by our example, by our witness, by the things that we say and the things that we do. Okay, so we're going to hear all the commands of Jesus, we're going to know them, and we're going to communicate them. How are we going to do that in 13 weeks this fall? Because there are a lot of things that Jesus said. What's our approach going to be? Well, depending on how you break down the commands of Jesus from the Gospels, there's between 40 and 60 direct commands that Jesus gives. And some people, when they ask, like, well, what did Jesus say? They'll expand that to include anything that is an inspired word from the New Testament, whether Jesus said it or not, whether it was one of the writers, one of his apostles that went on in their teachings. If you include all of that, there are over a thousand commands. Are we going to memorize all 1,000 commands? We are not. Are we going to be expected to recite them? No, we're going to limit this to the commands of Jesus, as you can see from good old subtitle there. Words of life, commands of Jesus. We're going to limit this to the things that we read in the four Gospels. We're also, we're going to hear more than one command of Jesus per week. If you've been counting, you've heard three. Uh, depending on how you slice it, three to five or six commands already this week. So it's not going to be like what we've done in the past. You remember our DTO series, Jesus Commanded, do to others as you would have them do to you. Let's take a deep dive into that, challenge ourselves to live that out. That's not exactly what this is going to be. This is going to be more of a broad approach, just to take in as many of the commands of Jesus as we can. Now, I'm going to do my best to group them together thematically. So this morning, we're going to be hearing commands of Jesus that have to do with commissioning, sending out disciples, and what Jesus has in mind when it comes to the ministry beyond his own. It's going to be more of a broad approach. Also, we are going to, in this series, we're going to be engaging in a discernment process so that we can figure out which commands of Jesus apply to us or apply to all Christians for all time, and which commands of Jesus were circumstantial or situational and that we don't necessarily have to obey. Wait a minute. There are commands of Jesus that we don't have to obey? Well, let me give you an example. When G uh, Judas came with the authorities to arrest Jesus, he comes up to Jesus and Jesus tells him, Judas, what you came to do, do it quickly. Now, Jesus commanded what you came to do, do it quickly. Does that mean that we should do everything quickly? That everything we do, we should do quickly? If so, I should be preaching a lot faster and you guys should be falling asleep a lot faster. Uh, this doesn't apply to everything. There's a lot of things that if we do them quickly, we aren't doing them correctly. 
Okay, so it was when Judas betrayed Jesus. So is it every time you betray someone, you should betray them quickly? Is that what Jesus is commanding us here? Again, no, <laughs> that's, that's not for us. That's something Jesus commanded, but we read in context, this was something he said to Judas, and it's not going to affect how we follow Jesus. And this discernment process is an important one to know. It's important when you read and study the Bible to understand what it is you're reading, who is doing the talking, what are the circumstances in which they said what they're saying, and how would it have been heard and understood and applied by the original audience, and, and other questions that we take into consideration when we apply the Bible in our lives. This is an important process. Otherwise, we end up doing everything quickly, and we mess it up. Discernment's an important step to being led by God's Word. So discernment is going to be a part of this. Here's a warning with that in mind. There's going to be a temptation when hearing and deciding whether or not to obey the commands of Jesus. Temptation will be to say, that's not for us. He was saying that to Judas. Or maybe in the case of the Great Commission, he was saying that to Peter and James and John and not to Jacob. That's where discernment comes in. But the temptation might be to take some of the commands of Jesus that are hard or that we don't think we can do well or that are going to require something of us and say, oh, you know what? That's not for us. That was for them. We don't have to do that. That was fine for the second generation of Christians, the Great Commission, to go and, and teach and make disciples. But, but, I mean, they handled that. Christianity survived and we have a different role to play today. That might be the temptation. We might be tempted to say, going? Going? That's for the missionaries. They go into all the world and all the nations. I don't, I'm not going to go, so I'm not going to have to obey that part. Baptizing? I, that's something I've seen. That's something that the ministers do. That's, that's for them. I, I don't baptize. Teaching? Well, I mean, you could go to scriptures that say some people have the gift of teaching and others don't. Well, I don't have the gift of teaching. So I'm not a classroom teacher. I'm not a Bible teacher. That's not my gift. I'll support and I'll pray for anybody whose gift that is, but that's not for me. Plus, I've already read through all the Gospels, Jacob. Uh, there aren't any commands of Jesus that I haven't heard before. So, well, if that's what you're thinking, then you may have effectively talked yourself out of this whole series. <laughs> and uh, I guess you can, you can go grab some donuts uh, during this time on Sunday instead. But I think that the value of studying and hearing these commands of Jesus together is to increase our joy of following Jesus, to increase our understanding what it means to follow Jesus and rediscover that vibrant discipleship. And when we have the opportunity to demonstrate or to teach or disciple someone in living as a Christ follower, we will be ready and we do this because we want to be more and more immersed in the wisdom and the love of Jesus Christ, who we believe is the Son of God. You guys with me? Does that sound okay? We're not the only people that have shared this enthusiasm to dive deeply into an understanding and practicing the commands of Jesus. The Gospel writer Luke shares his desire to know everything that we can know about Jesus. At the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, he writes about his method of how he investigated the claims of Jesus and how he gathered the information and his purpose for sharing it. Check this out. He says, this is the very beginning 
of uh, the Gospel of Luke. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Theophilus means someone who loves God. So that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been, what's that last word? The things that you have been taught. So we're back to make disciples by going baptizing and teaching. So I want to talk a little bit about teaching here. The ministry of Jesus was a ministry of teaching and equipping. The old saying goes like this. You give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. But you teach a man how to fish and he will eat forever. Well, Jesus was not just handing out fish in his ministry. In fact, he had some fishermen who he called to follow him. And he told them, it's not just about fish. Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of people. You will fish for people. That's Matthew 4, verse 19. Come and follow me, said the rabbi. Jesus was a rabbi. Rabbi is a word that means teacher. There was an ideal in the Jewish community in the first century of what a rabbi would do. Rabbi was the teacher. He would gather a cohort, a group of students that would literally follow him around, and they would learn from him. But it wasn't just book learning. It wasn't read this and I'll quiz you on it on Friday. It was come and see. Come and follow me. Watch me as I go to someone's home for dinner. Watch me as we travel on the road. Watch me as we go to the places of worship. Watch me interact with unclean people and weirdos and the wealthy and the prideful religious elite. Come and see and learn from me. And I will teach you by my example. You will be able to see what I do. And I, in doing this, I will equip you to go and do it yourself. It was about disciples making disciples who make disciples, who then make disciples. And then those disciples make more disciples. And those disciples make disciples. Their disciples make disciples. You with me? Do I have to keep going? You get the idea. It's a self-perpetuating structure. If you are a teacher, or if you have ever studied teaching, you might be familiar with Bloom's Taxonomy of Learning. Ooh, sounds like a fancy thing. But it's just one of the many studies that show that actual learning, where you actually retain something and you're able to apply it, it increases with various forms of exposure to the subject matter. You might recognize this once we start getting into it. If you read something, you are X amount of likely to remember it, retain it. But if you hear something out loud, then that level of retention increases, I think, 100% or something like that. If you see or you see and hear something together, then the likelihood of retention and application increases even more. And that goes up as you go up this taxonomy. If you discuss something that you learned with others, you are more likely to internalize it. If you experience it with hands-on learning in some physical or interactive way, and just up and up and up, the more you're exposed to these ideas, the more that you live them out, the greater chance that you've actually learned something. Well, Jesus and the ancient Israelites, 
They knew this, <laughs> this way before someone turned it into this helpful infographic that you're looking at right now. Following a rabbi was experiential learning. Jesus taught in sermons. That's true. But he didn't just teach in sermons. Jesus taught in stories, but he didn't just teach in stories. He taught with discussions, but not just discussions. He taught at dinner tables. He taught on the road. He taught in the fields. He taught during times of celebration. He taught during times of crisis. He taught by modeling. So even if we have already heard all of the teachings of Jesus and all of his commands, there's still room for greater retention and application in our lives every single day. And we know that we're supposed to forgive people, but we still don't do it sometimes. The group that I was with this morning was a fantastic group of people that said, we hear Jesus saying, you should love your neighbor. And yet, we still fall short of that. We don't always do it. So we can know the commands of Jesus, but we don't always live them out. And you could say, you haven't really learned something until you have lived it. Back to this graphic, you might already know that in addition to all of these things, one of the most effective ways to learn something across the board is to teach it to someone else. It requires you to understand what you're going to go out and teach. It requires you to think about it on your own. It requires you to internalize it and process it and prepare you to communicate it, to teach it to someone else. This is what Jesus modeled. This is what Jesus expects. Listen again to these words of commissioning that we've already heard this morning. Pray for the Lord to send workers into the harvest fields. Feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. But this isn't always the expectation that Jesus' followers have for themselves. I recently read an article that was called Why Star Players Don't Make Great Coaches. Kind of an interesting sort of thing. You think about professional athletes or people who perform at the peak of their training. They're head and shoulders above the rest. They don't always become the best coaches. Sometimes, like in professional sports, you'll get a great coach, and they have experience as a player, but they weren't often the star player. They weren't the one with the most endorsements, the, most, the best stats at the end of the game. And they've studied this, and they said, why is that the case? And what it basically boils down to is that was never the expectation. They may be fantastic learners and appliers, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they ever had any intention of teaching that to others, which is kind of a shame. Because if you think about the greatest athletes or the greatest leaders in, in various fields, if they had the expectation that I'm not just going to do this myself, I'm not just going to soak up all this great learning and be wonderful at this, but if I'm then going to turn around and raise up the next generation of leaders or athletes or whatever, imagine what we would have. They can lead by example and we can watch them, but if the expectation was you're going to learn how to teach this, not everybody expects that of themselves. And this is sometimes our attitude when it comes to following Jesus. We think, well, I'm a player. I'm not a coach. I'm a disciple. I'm not a disciple maker. I'm a learner. I'm not a teacher. 
I'm trying to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. And I got to say, if you're trying to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, that is fantastic. That's what we are supposed to be doing. Keeping our eyes looking ahead. But if you took a moment while you have your eyes fixed on Jesus to look in your rearview mirror, think about that. Focus on Jesus, but just glance in your rearview mirror. Do you know what you would see behind you? You would see people watching you. You would see people who are looking at you to see what it means to follow Jesus. You are seeing people who are learning from your example and they are just waiting to be coached. They are waiting to be mentored. They are wanting to see what faithfully following Jesus looks like. Just glance there for a second. Everybody, hold your hand up like this and adjust your rearview mirror and look and see who's in your mirror. Look at the face of the person who is right behind you, who sees you often, who knows that you follow Jesus, and they can look to you for guidance. They are right there. They're in our church. They're in our families. They're in our neighborhoods. They are in need of coaching, in need of mentoring. They need you. But Jacob, I'm not a teacher. (laughs) I don't teach. I'm not a teacher. Okay. I want everybody to repeat after me. I am a teacher. Turn to somebody behind you and say, I'm a teacher. Say, you could learn something from me. Does that seem weird? I think a lot of Christians that have the most leadership potential, some of the star players, so to speak, feel like it's prideful. Or feel like, ooh, that's too much to put on myself to actually say, you could learn something from me. But I believe every single one of you has something to offer. As you've been following Jesus, if someone comes along and says, what does it look like to follow Jesus? All of you could say on one level or another, do what I do. Watch me. Watch how I pray. Watch how I speak. Watch my disciplines. Look at how I budget and spend my money. I have this life dedicated to the Lord. It's not about me. You don't want to say, like, everybody look at me. It's follow me as I follow Christ. It's like John the Baptist just holding up that mirror and saying, if you look my direction, I'm going to show you Jesus. And you should be watching him. If I'm imitating him, if I'm doing anything that's worth imitating, then do that. That's what we need. And because the ministry of Jesus wasn't just classroom learning, we have to get out of our heads and thinking like, I'm not a teacher. You are a teacher. Anytime you give thanks before you eat the way that Jesus did, you are teaching. Anytime you serve in a thankless role, not expecting any credit or glory for yourself, the way that Jesus did, you are teaching. Whenever you forgive someone who doesn't deserve it, the way that Jesus did, you are teaching. Whenever you speak unpopular truths boldly with love, you are teaching. Whenever you ride in a car with someone, you are teaching. Whenever you care for your children or care for someone else's children, you are teaching. 
Whenever you have anyone's attention, ever, whenever someone is watching you or listening to you, you are teaching. Once again, repeat after me. I'm a teacher. You are. So this is my challenge for you this week. Once again, hold up your uh, rearview mirror. Just adjust it. And think about who, whose image is there. Think of one person who you spend time with. One person who looks to you. And ask yourself this question. Do they see Jesus? Am what I'm modeling worth doing? If they do what I do, will they become closer to God? That's the challenge for today. When you have someone's attention, are they going to be more like Christ? I think that's the hope that Jesus had in making disciples who make disciples. It's not as complicated as we sometimes think. You don't have to have a lesson plan. You don't have to have a microphone strapped to your face. You just have to shine the light of Christ in an intentional way and realize people are soaking that up. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to invite Greg and the praise team to come back up here and lead us in our closing song. Lord, I thank you for the, the words of Jesus, which are words of life. And I pray that these words we've heard this morning can fill us up with life, with inspiration to go and to witness by being like Jesus. May we, the students, become the teachers. Give us opportunities to shine. Give us opportunities to teach others the things that we've learned about Jesus that make us want to keep following him, that make us better human beings, that make us live more into the created beings that you would have us be. God, we pray that your kingdom come. We pray that your will is done on earth the way it is in heaven. Lord, as we picture these people in our rearview mirrors who are watching us, who are learning from us, some who are younger than us, some who are older than us, some people that we didn't even realize were watching us, I pray that you will reveal these opportunities to us to become like Jesus in the sense of being a rabbi that shows what people are supposed to do, that models a loving servant attitude, that treats people with compassion, that looks to you in times of crisis, that relies on you in prayer, that gives you worship with our whole hearts and our whole souls, our whole minds and all that we have. God, I pray that you will equip the Tri-Valley Church to be teachers, to be those who point others to Jesus Christ. We thank you for these words that we still have today, that we are still being challenged by. Your words are living words. I pray that we will receive them, that we will go, and that we will live them out. And I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. One quick thing before we sing together. Make disciples going, teaching, and baptizing. Baptizing, baptism is the beginning of a commitment to following Jesus. In the New Testament, we see when anyone says, I believe he's the Son of God. I want to follow him. I want to be his disciple like those 11, like the people that I see in my church. We say, I want to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. I want to become a new creation. That happens uh, in water. We have behind this screen here a big old tub of water, and it's chlorinated, and it's clean. Maybe it's clean right now. It, it, we can clean it. Um, and sometimes I end my sermons by inviting people who have not been baptized to be baptized. And that invitation stands. If you want to follow Jesus, 
but you haven't been baptized, come and talk to me. We can do that very soon. But the invitation I want to extend today is to everybody who hears that invitation and says, oh, I've already been baptized. This baptistry isn't just for people who haven't been baptized. It is for you, existing followers of Jesus, to bring people so that you can baptize them. When I was in high school, my friend A. Clark, one of my best friend, still to this day, he started coming to youth group. He started hearing about Jesus for the first time ever. Never went to church. His parents didn't know Jesus. He started reading the Bible and hearing about the Savior. And he, he said, I want to be baptized. I want to be a follower of Jesus. So I brought him to my preacher, this guy named Tim. We sat down in his office and he's like, he believes. Like he wants to, can we baptize this Sunday? And Tim said, yeah, absolutely. But your plan is that I'll baptize him. What I think you should do, Jacob, is you should baptize him. And I was like 17 years old. Like, uh, is that even allowed? I don't have any credentials. I don't preach. And you know, you're the preacher. That's what you do. He said, well, you're the one who's discipling him. You're the one who's teaching him about Jesus. I think it would be better if you baptized him. And I did. I felt that responsibility for him for the last 20, 25 years. So my invitation today is also for people who have not been baptized to come say yes to Jesus. But it's also to everybody here. Bring someone to the waters of baptism. You baptize them. You continue to disciple them. You teach them. This is something that we all can do. And it's something that we are all called to do by Jesus. Let's stand and sing together.